Hi everyone, welcome to Murders in Paradise. I am Jen, joined as always by GR Dad. Good evening. Good evening, GR Dad. How's it going? Good, it actually is evening, so I'm fully appropriate. Yeah, and we're doing this, uh, one of our over-distance podcasts. I am in Florida, you are in Maryland. But we're together in our hearts. Oh, I <laughs> know, I miss you. <laughs> I miss you too. <laughs> so, uh, so I had all prepared a Murders in Paradise chicken episode. Because <laughs> I was looking for, I was doing some research for a story on newspapers.com and uh, I was like digging around in the archives and there was an article about uh, Key West it, from like the bird flu, the H1N1 outbreak, whenever that was. Yeah, a few Somebody, five years ago or something, yeah. Like the mayor talking about maybe they need to call the chickens. Uh, which did not happen. Oh, cull, but not I call. Was like, like, call in the chickens for help. No, no, it's yeah, no, to call, no, which like means get rid of all the chickens. Actually, hurt the chickens or deport the yeah. chickens. Yeah. Uh, so that didn't happen. But I was like, oh, that's interesting. I wonder. And first, I was like, I wonder if there's any other stories about like Key West from other pandemics. Like that would be interesting. And somehow I got on looking at other stories of Key West chickens and (laughs) (laughs) uh, I have a whole bunch like going back to the Spanish American war. I found news stories about the chickens in Key West. And so I've got like a collection of those. And I thought that's what we would be recording this week because we are as always highly delinquent on this podcast. But this week they identified an unidentified unsolved an identified victim of an unsolved murder which has now also been solved uh that we've already covered on the podcast and so obviously like we need to you know deal with that so that is worth an update and put the chickens aside for a second yes yeah so we'll do the the chickens are forthcoming we're not abandoning the chicken (laughs) episode yeah chill your jets uh cool your jets chickens yeah. There'll be time for you. So later. uh anyway, let's uh let's talk about this case. Jump right in because it's actually I wouldn't say more exciting than chickens, but definitely more timely. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, it sure is. Um Okay, so this is the um case of Valentine Doe, which is one of the earlier episodes that we did. Yeah, it was real um, sad. Yeah, I mean, it's maybe like the second or third episode that we did. Um, So just as a reminder of that story, um, this is a young woman who was found on Valentine's Day or went missing on Valentine's Day, 1991. And she was last seen hitchhiking from Key West north out of the Keys. So they saw her on Big Coppet Key at mile marker 10. Somebody remembers seeing her. Yeah. Um, and then she was also seen at mile marker 17, which is right where we live. There's a, so there's a bus that runs up and down the Keys and there's a bus stop like right at the main street that we kind of live on. Somebody saw her there, uh, presumably trying to get a ride. And then no one else saw her after that um but the next day her body was found on big pine key and nobody knew who it was 
Yeah, so, wasn't there something with a pickup truck or something? I mean, there was some other, like, there was a few eyewitness things, but there was really much, not much, right? This is, and it was early in the, it was like years, decades ago. This is 1991. Okay. Well, they didn't have Yeah. Super so, fancy forensics then. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, there just wasn't very much there. Um, she had been strangled and... Uh, her clothes were there, so she had been, she was basically naked when her body was found face down in this sort of wooded area. Um, there was, some people did see a pickup truck with a camper shell in the area, but they didn't know if that was related to it not or not. And now it sounds like it wasn't because that pickup truck had two people in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, and it turns out that she was only murdered by one person probably. So um, Probably good they yeah, didn't so like, she, go after that pickup truck too hard. It would have been, might have been mistaken identity. Yeah, it could have been. So they, uh, so her body was found. Um, there were like drag marks on a dirt road that kind of went into the woods and they found her clothes and, and we had posted pictures of those. So there was like a sweater that had like stripes on it and then like the, the weird identifying thing was that she had these like moccasin boots, like the, with this ankle high kind of like, I don't know, crocheted or like knitted part. Yeah. And not Uggs. they're like, it's, it's not like a thing anyone would wear down here in yeah. the keys. And so they knew that she wasn't from here. Um, I think she's also the one where they're like, she had Northern dental work. Yeah, which I, right. It was like, I that was weird. Not Southern. Yeah. Um, she had a a couple tattoos and then she had stretch marks that indicated that she had been pregnant at Mm. one point, but she was, um, you know, a younger woman. Right. And that's it. Like, that's pretty much all we knew. Nobody knew who she was. Nobody knew who killed her. And it was Um, on, she was found on Valentine's day. Isn't that it? I think she was last seen on Valentine's day. And then she was found on February 15th in 1991. Okay, so this week they identified her and her murderer. So she was identified as 18-year-old Wanda Deanne Kirkham from Hornell, New York. So they were correct that she's from the North. Both her clothes and apparently her dental work indicated that. Um, She had never been reported as a missing person. And ultimately, they were able to identify her doing familial DNA, which is how they caught the Golden State uh, Killer. It's like how, you know, it's a lot of these cold cases are being solved this way. And it's just weird to see it in a case like this because typically it's like serial killers or, you know, like suspected serial killers, not, you know, here's this one missing person who's right. unidentified. I mean, it's a great tool for that, but it's like sort of expensive and it's unusual. So who knows if, you know, maybe somebody else paid for that. Um, maybe, or maybe and, they know, thought it, it was serial killer related. Who knows? Like, you know, killing women. I don't know. We don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's just interesting. Like they, they used it to identify her, well, you know, yeah. uh, where like, Normally, it's like you have the DNA, like the Golden State Killer, right? You have the DNA of this, like, rapist and murderer. So you're going to use it to track him down. They used it to track her down. That's true. Um, But anyway, they, so they identified her. um, And, yeah, so Wanda Deanne Kirkham, 18 years old, from New York. Her parents are dead. 
now uh, nobody ever reported her missing she was 18 and so you know who knows what her situation was yeah so that's her so that's, that's great her. that's a, that's, <laughs> like a, we've got- that's an ad- already something yeah and so there was also dna other dna at the scene matched another murder that had happened a year later uh, also in the keys no So this guy, Robert Lynn Bradley, was murdered in Texas, Tarrant County, Texas. I have no idea where that is. In 1992. So basically the next year this guy was murdered um, in Texas. He used to live in Florida. Mm -hmm. And he's the killer. He, so the murderer was murdered. The murderer yes, was killed. The, okay. The murderer. Interesting. So this this dude Robert Lynn Bradley killed her in you know February of 1991, and in April of 1992 he himself was murdered in wow, Texas. Wow, interesting. Um, so so they found the DNA. The good news is we matched the DNA. The bad news is that person's dead. Yeah, <laughs> and so I think hmm. it's interesting because they've had his DNA for a long time, right? Like they've. They collected his DNA from the scene, and yeah, his in, DNA in was in right? a, yeah. in ninety one, and his DNA has been in a database since his murder in nineteen ninety two. Yeah, and you know it was just never cross referenced. Right. And so my guess is that, and you know this isn't, it's not really laid out, but my guess is that somebody was like, let's try to identify that valentine doe that unidentified girl again and when they got a hit on that they're like oh crap like now we know who this is let's kind of jump back into this and uh see what we can find out you know about the case period and then they end up going like oh okay well we were able to you know find this guy like then actually you know put it in the big database if that makes sense yeah so what? So, what like did they, they, so what's what's this guy's story? Yeah, um, unclear. Mm-hmm. He he was murdered, and that's sort of all we know. There's not like you try to find out about his murder now, and you know all you get is stories about this one. Um, right. But they so they did say um, so the Florida Department of Law Enforcement Crime Lab submitted his DNA and that matched this Texas case. And so then they get the details from the Texas case and that says that the guy Bradley had lived in Miami in November of 1990, right? Uh-huh. So Valentine Doe was murdered in February of 91. So whatever, four months before that, they know that this guy was living in Miami. Right. Um, and so, yeah, so Jeez. we're able to... Uh, you know, basically say, okay, well, he was here and his DNA was found at this murder scene. Yeah. And so, yeah. Nice. So, so what... He's the how, guy. How did they... Do you know any details about how they found her DNA? Like, is it the 23andMe? Was it in a database? Mm. Yeah, so typically the way the familial DNA works, um, there's kind of one big lab that that does it. And um, so they'll take your DNA and they'll compare it. They don't have access to like 23andMe, the brand 23andMe. Um, <laughs> but there are public 
so if like if you get a 23andMe done, um, you can download your DNA profile. So I actually did that. I had 23andMe done like probably 10 years ago. Right. Um, and I have since deleted my profile um, because I don't trust them. Yeah, uh, and you might want to, you know, do crimes later. <laughs> um, I don't want to do crimes, but uh, yeah. So, um, so yeah. So I deleted my profile, but you can download your genetic sequence before you do that. So I have a text file that's just like Ooh. my genome, which is pretty cool. That is kind of um, cool. Can we clone yeah. you with that? Yes. I mean, cool. Like it is enough for cloning, I guess. I don't want two of you uh, at this point. That's two fine. of me. Plus, then you'd have to raise me as a baby, and then it gets like <laughs> super creepy. <laughs> Ooh, that's not I good. Know. I no. didn't think this through. But never mind. Just keep that file. It's cool. <laughs> I just print it out and peg it on the wall or something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> so anyway, uh, if you get your DNA sequenced, you. Uh, you can upload it to basically like a public database. Um, and I think it's mostly used by people who are doing kind of genealogy, ancestry kind of stuff. That's a big thing, ancestry.com, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you, you could upload it to ancestry.com. But no. again, I don't know that the police have access to that, though they might. Mm -hmm. and, and certainly they'll use tools like that. But they can, so they could take her DNA and then put it in one of these, you know, public databases where people have uploaded their DNA. Oh. Um, obviously, if she were in there, they would get a match. If her parents were in there, they'd get a match, but her parents are dead. Right. And so what they usually end up with is a bunch of cousins, right? Like third and fourth cousins. There's 8,000 people that she's related to. Um, and then they kind of use information that they have, right? So they say, okay, well, yeah. we think she's probably from the north. She's not likely from Florida because of what she was wearing because of her dental work. So let's find cousins that are kind of out, you know, that are from the U.S. but that aren't from Florida or other kind of sunbelt places. Right. And then... Um, and then they can do things like go to Ancestry.com, um, you know, look at marriage records and birth records. So, okay, here's a third cousin who was born in like the 1930s. Um, that's obviously not a direct cousin, but we can like say, okay, well, we know they're kind of distantly related. And so if we trace their family tree up, right, which you often have for people who are in those databases, who could they be, right? And so it's this weird kind of combination of like genealogy yeah. and genetics. Um, and they've been able to do this. There's a, a really famous case um, of bodies that were found in a barrel. Bear Brook is the name of the podcast that covers it. Was oh, this New Hampshire um, or Maine? New Hampshire. Yes. Yeah. Or yeah, New Hampshire, I think. Um, and they were, they used, that was actually the case that started this whole technology being used, like tied into that case. Um, and they were able to use that to eventually identify the remains of this woman and, and three kids that were yeah. murdered. The White River um, killer, I think it was. No? White River I, murders? I don't know if the guy's got a moniker okay. like that. Maybe something else, yeah. Um, but yeah, so he... Uh, so there so basically that's what you do like it's this it's this process where it's not just like a standard dna match 
Um, but you kind of get some familial information and then you follow some family trees and you like they use marriage certificates and death certificates and all kinds of stuff. Um, if anyone's really interested in the process, which is fascinating, they interview in that podcast, Bear Brook, they talk to like the woman who kind of pioneered this technique and she talks about how she was able to do it like in this very first case and then how all these other places started doing it. Um, so like with the golden state killer, he wasn't in there, but they were eventually able to narrow it down to his brother. Um, and they go, okay, well the brother's not the guy, but we know it's basically a, you know, sibling of this person. So, so then they get a suspect and then they're able to do a match. And so I'm not sure how they affirmatively matched it here. Like if she had siblings or, you know, cousins or whatever, like we're normally then, you know, if they're like, Oh, this looks like, okay, it's this guy could be this guy, Ingo that you, then you want to get an actual DNA match. Right. And so, you know, they probably don't have anything of hers that would have DNA. And so then you'll go to, you know, whatever the closest relatives are. So you can go, yeah, you know, this, so, you know, we can't, we don't have anything with Ingo's DNA that we think the sample that we have is his. So maybe they'll go to your brother or your parents. Right. And, and they know uh, that, and they know it's not them, but, but the DNA is so, so similar that they can narrow it down to like two people. No. Yeah, exactly. And so they go, okay, well, like this, this DNA sample we have is the brother of, you know, your actual living brother. And so he knows he only has one brother. And so then it's probably you. Yeah. Um, so they, they don't really go through like what the process was, but that's typically how that process works. Very um, interesting. This is, this is 30 years ago now, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, that's her story. That's how they got that match. And like I said, my guess is that since they had the DNA of the killer the whole time and just had never run it, my guess is that they must have run her first and then had a lead and then resubmitted his DNA, uh, which is too bad because if they had submitted his in the first place, they would have figured out who the killer was a lot sooner. Yeah, but he was right. already dead. I mean, it was only they only had a year to to get him before he died. Yeah. So let me uh, let me read you a story about the killer from um, the Fort Worth Star Telegram, April twentieth, nineteen ninety two. The headline is "Teenager Wounded Outside Movie Theater." It's a short short little piece. So it says a Trimble tech student remained hospitalized today with a gunshot wound suffered while defending his sister outside a movie theater Saturday night. Charles Brown, his name's Charlie Brown, 17 (laughs) was shot twice in the lower abdomen and was in fair condition at John Peter Smith hospital. The shooting occurred about 10 45 PM Saturday in the parking lot on the East side of town center mall in the 4,200 block of South freeway police report said, Witnesses told police that Brown's sister was slapped by a young man in the theater, and the sister then told her brother. Brown confronted the young man in the parking lot, and one of the man's two friends pulled a pistol, fired it once in the air, and then fired it twice at Brown. Jeez. Brown collapsed, and the three men fled. Three witnesses carried Brown into the mall lobby in front of the movie theater, the report said. No arrests had been made this morning. In an unrelated shooting, 
A man found dead in a ditch in northern Tarrant County on Saturday morning had been shot multiple times in the head, officials said. Oof. Robert Lynn Bradley, 31, was found by three passersby at 8 a.m. lying in the ditch on the 2600 block of J.T. Ottinger Road in Westlake, about half a mile north of the Denton-Tarrant County line. Officials estimate he'd been killed sometime Friday night or early Saturday. His last known address was only a mile or two from where his body was found. No arrests had been made. That was that's a weird article. <laughs> yeah, in it's an like, unrelated. Oh, like, oh, did shooting. he try to shoot this shoot this kid? Did he slap the sister? No, he no. just unrelated. That's like speaking of shootings. Here, here's some more <laughs> stuff. Like, what a weird little article. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then they don't have Sorry. much about that guy except we found a dead guy with bullet holes in his head. Yeah, and that's the entirety of what I was able to find. Like going through the. Um, newspaper.com archive yeah um that seems to be like it was really hard to find stuff um and then like that's it like the only matches to his name are you know that version of the story huh so well he got what he deserved yeah no kidding uh i mean he strangled this girl with her bikini top he raped her (laughs) left her body out in the woods you know what probably not the first time he had done it um so yeah no tears for that guy no tears for that guy for sure so anyway i mean i was like astonished when i got up in the morning and you know i think it was on conch life where it was like old you know unsolved murder solved and i was like oh my gosh we covered this (laughs) on the podcast i feel like a actual like true crime podcaster now (laughs) we've got like updates updates on the case that we covered addendums yeah breaking news yeah Yeah. anyway that's uh that's awesome that's pretty interesting yep nice uh nice work nice work nice sleuthing (laughs) yeah good Good job, Monroe County Sheriff. Well, yeah, uh, that's right. Nice work solving that. So the Chicken Podcast will be coming next time uh, once your dad is back. Uh, you want a dog palate cleanser? Sure, always. Okay. So this week, a bunch of people sent me this one about a bomb-sniffing dog mm. retiring. Have you seen this? Oh, I think I did. Yes, yes, this is a good one. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so this bomb-sniffing dog gets a retirement party, and so there's a picture <laughs> of this like black lab yeah. at the airport um let's see what's what's the dog's name here oh i don't have it in front of me all right anyway uh yeah so the tsa has this dog this black lab bomb sniffing dog and uh it's the dog's last day and so they like put a suitcase out that's like got a bomb scent on it and uh the, i guess the dog is called Trado. Fredo? Tir- no, Tirado. Tirado. There you go. T-I-R-A-D-O. Tirado. Oh. Okay. So, yeah, they put out this suitcase. It's got, like, bomb scent on it. And uh, Tirado, like, you know, comes over and is like, sniff, 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 wag, wag, wag. I was bred for this. Sniffing at the suitcase. And then, like, sits down to alert on the suitcase. And then when he does... Like all these bags of tennis balls open up and like 500 tennis balls like fall out from the ceiling. And, and he's like, oh, my God. And it's like you know, running around and jumping all of them. So it was his little. Um, That's great. Yeah. 
Okay, so here we go. Tirado was named in honor of New York Engine 23 firefighter Hector Luis Tirado, who died on 9-11. Oh, wow. It was, and Tirado, who's 10 and a half years old, is one of the last few dogs on the TSA bred puppy program who joined in 2012. Wow. Here Good work. Go. Good work, Tierdo. Uh, but I it's hope Tierdo. I thought dreams. it was a typo. It's not Tierdo with two T's, two capital T's at the beginning of his name. T T Tierdo. T Tierdo. Huh. The first T is silent. I guess, or I mean, maybe this news article just has the same typo over and over again. But can't be. Uh, yes. Hmm. So there you go. Nice. Dogs getting lots of tennis balls is awesome. That is always good. He did his yeah. he did his job, he worked hard, now he's going to a well deserved retirement. Indeed. And he's got a, a tennis ball nest egg now. He got all the tennis balls he needs for a while. Yeah. Nice. It's I've just... confirmed from another source that Tirado's name does in fact have two capital T's at the beginning. Kind of mm. like the Vinkman Vate loss with two capital T's. <laughs> yeah, but that's making a W. <laughs> T T is just two T's. Yeah. Uh, Good job, Tirado. Yeah, so there you go. That's uh Murders in Paradise for this, I'd, I'd like to say this week, but, you know, this time. Yes. We'll get this, you again another time. This update. <laughs> and, you know, stay tuned for Chicken News. Yeah, Chicken News coming up. That'll be good. Um, so, yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for sticking with us with our random schedule. And until next time, don't conk out. Don't conk out. Bye. Bye.